Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ahmad Khan of CNET. League of Legends World Championships 2022 concluded this past weekend, bringing one of the most memorable storylines in league history. It was a South Korean Grand Finals with DRX and T1, helmed by Kim Deft Hyukyu and Lee Faker Seong Hyuk, respectively, going all the way to a five-game set. DRX ultimately came out victorious, giving a historic win to Deft, who has been playing the shadow of Faker for years. To talk about Worlds 22 is freelance reporter Mateus Meter. Mateus, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Hi, Matt. Thank you for having me back. I'm glad to be back. So let's start off right at the top, right? And that sure. is this rivalry between Deft and Faker. Uh, I, I find this really fascinating because the two actually attended high school together, right? And it's kind of crazy yep. that they'd be meeting in grand finals at Worlds so many years later. Yeah, and now you can say that the high school that they attended in uh, South Korea has two World League of Legends World Champions. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic storyline, and uh, I I'd say that it's a storyline that no one expected be before the Worlds actually started. Like T1 were seen as a uh, one of the strongest teams coming into the tournament, but I wouldn't say that they were seen as one of the tournament favorites. I'd say that JNG and JD Gaming from uh, South Korea and China respectively we were seen like the the main favorites going into mm-hmm. the tournament especially uh, since T1 lost to Genji in the LCK summer finals and DRX like they they were the fourth spot from LCK and uh, they were like one game away from not making it if i'm not mistaken uh, in the original finals uh, of of the LCK so yeah uh, coming to the tournament I'd say that a few would have expected DRX and T1 to meet in the finals, uh, especially for DRX because they were the fourth seed and their season hasn't been that great. Uh, and then over the over the event, they improved a lot and they made a Cinderella run, you could say. And uh, yeah, as as the both teams were coming to the finals and made they made their way through the knockout stage, like it was really shaping up to be one of the best tournaments uh, in League of Legends history. So while Faker might be known as the most well player on T1, it was bot laner Lee Gumayusi <laughs> Minhyung who kept the team afloat. I hope I pronounced his uh, game attack correctly. Uh, but, you know, explain a bit of like the importance of the, uh, the bot lane and how, how Gumayusi really was able to bring T1 back from really difficult situations to keep them in the game. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really interesting angle for me especially because AD carries, they were a lot stronger in my opinion at the beginning of Season 12 which is now coming to an end with, uh, mm-hmm. with the World's 22, uh, 2022 as well. Uh, especially because at the beginning of the season there were a lot of hyper carry champions popular in the AD carry meta like Zeri and a lot of them were nerfed to Oblivion and especially in like patch 12.10 there was a durability patch it's called and uh, it basically like increased the health and sustain overall for every champion in the game so uh, the team fights would last longer and hyper carries overall just fell off so uh, before the tournament started and uh, like the hype began I wasn't expecting AD carry players to be like that much uh, that important as they ended up being uh, I thought that mid laners and junglers were the crucial duos that would uh, be key in in many, for many teams, but in the end, like you said, like Gumayusi, T1 AD Carry, uh, he was a player that had some miracle plays uh, in the World's Finals. For example, I guess it was in yeah he he definitely stole one uh, Baron Nasher with Varus, 
uh, in game five in the deciding game of the of the finals and he had another steal with the same champion in the same series but i'm not sure if, if it was in the same game uh, but uh, in the end he has proved to be a pivotal part for t1 and, and not only in that series but also uh, in the tournament as of uh, overall and on the other side you had defts you have defts so who had a cinderella story uh, an amazing uh, performance from him overall and he with every uh, game he kept saying that he's not focusing on possible retirement on or on uh, what's next for him because there's a lot of uh, talk about his uh, possible retirement after after this year but he kept saying that he just wants to keep improving with every game and i guess that he you could say that he really lived up to what he was saying before uh, in those interviews like he kept improving and both ad carries were in the end crucial for both teams and for every team basically in the tournament Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, let's. Can we use, I believe he's like only twenty years old, so he still has a, a long career out of him. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure the ages of Deft and Faker uh, off the top of my head, but I know they've been around for for a while, at least in league terms. Yeah, uh, that's true. Like Faker, he has made his big debut uh, in 2013 when he had that uh, amazing Z one v one versus Ryu. Uh, it was in LCK Summer Split Finals or Regional Finals. I'm not sure because it was nine years ago, but. Yeah, he then made his like he, he made a big name for himself, and then he went on to uh, winning world's uh, championship. And Deft, he also like made the big stage uh, that year, and they've been around for nine years now. Faker has three world championships under his belt, and uh, they have both MSI championships. Uh, they have both w won domestically. Uh, Deft has even won in China, so um, they're like. I guess if you were n if you were to name two legendary players from South Korean South Korea uh who should be like mentioned in every conversation when talking about league or or esports scene in that country you must have mentioned Faker and Deft. So I think what Worlds 22 also showed us is just the gap or the continued gap between uh, eastern and western teams. Uh, the only eastern team to make it past groups was Rogue. Uh, so I mean why do you feel that even in 2022 the West is having so much trouble getting past China and Korea. Yeah, as you've mentioned, Rogue uh, were the only uh, Western team to go, to go past the group stage. Mm -hmm. And um, like, it's not only that, like other Eastern teams, uh, Western teams, sorry, they played pretty badly. G2 Esports <laughs> managed to win only one game and it was against their ri rivals from uh, North America, EG. Uh, Fnatic, they actually won two games in their group, uh, one against T1 and one against uh, Cloud9. Uh, but overall, like Europe, both Europe and North America had a horrible record uh, against China and LCK. Uh, and it just shows the trend that the gaps between um, the two regions, as you, as you said, uh, is winding. And I think there are a few arguments behind why uh, it is it, it, has, it has been happening for the past couple of years. But mm, honestly, the main one, in my opinion, is that Eastern players play a lot of a lot more games, basically. Like in Europe, for example, in LEC, uh, if a team makes the playoffs in, in spring or in summer, they play 18 games in regular season uh, of split in summer, and then they can play even three series only to win the championship if they manage to go through the upper bracket. When in comparison to South Korea, uh, for example, to LCK, every series in regular season it's a best of three series, and uh, they are basically like BO3s 
are much better than Beyond ones because they shape uh, character, they shaped uh, playing under pressure. Like they're overall better for the players to for them to grow. And, I, and a lot of players have been pointing out this aspect uh, of, of professional league. For example, Odoamne, uh, Rogue's top laner, uh, has said after Worlds, or by the end of Worlds, uh, that in his uh, opinion, uh, Riot should increase the number of games played in the in the West, uh, because if if it doesn't happen, then the gap will just keep widening, and mm -hmm. we, we as the Western regions won't be ever able to catch up. So what's interesting is that League of Legends, like the game itself, is still boasting a very high active player count, I believe over 100 million. The problem is that it's trying to figure out the numbers based on geolocality. So if we're getting the entire world, obviously that's pulling in you know, large countries such as China with high populations. Uh, but I'm curious you know, what the current player base might be in the United States or in parts of Europe and whatnot. Uh, I mean, do you know how... Do you know if we ever will get those kind of specific geolocal numbers? Every article about potential numbers or what are the numbers exactly for uh, certain geographical regions are basically no data. It's not data from Riot, but what we think they might be. I don't think Riot would, would ever re release them um, because it might show, coming back to the topic of the gap between East and West, it might, sh it might show how many players are playing in China, for example comparison to uh, Western regions which might be unfavorable uh, for the West. I don't know, like, I just think that in the end, if they haven't done that so far, and we're in season 12, and we'll be coming into season 13 in, like, a few months, uh, a few weeks rather, if they haven't done that so far, I don't think they will in the nearby future. Like, I'm looking at... Um some websites right now, like the globalgaming.com, which notes the number of accounts created in 2021, but accounts created are not necessarily indicative of like uh, active players, right? Or, yep. you know, it could be somebody creating a second or third account or somebody who just decided to play with their friends once and that was it, right? Um, so yeah, some of these numbers are really hard to pinpoint. And I guess, you know, anecdotally, at least people I talk to in esports media who are heavy in league, Mm -hmm. They have this kind of constant love and hate relationship with the game where <laughs> like they'll uh, play the game, get really frustrated by it, and then try to like swear it off. And then a few months later, they're back playing like four hours a day. Uh, I don't know if that's the case you're, you're seeing with people over in Europe. Yeah, I'd say so. I think uh, it's also the case that I've been seeing with myself, honestly, so <laughs> I don't need to look far. <laughs> um, yeah, co coming back to the previous topic uh, slightly, uh, I think I've seen somewhere that there is there is... There are a lot more account in diamond ranks, like overall in the high rankings uh, in eastern regions than compared to the western regions. So mm. uh, I think it's a proof that uh, eastern people are much more like competitive and are basically trying much harder. Which, mm -hmm. on the other hand, like for example in, in North America, especially there's a lot of talk about how uh, the pink is super high. So it's basically for some people super tough to play. Uh, there are a lot of differences, but I guess that the eastern regions are just m much more competitive and much more willing to play uh, in their mm. free time. And coming back to your question as of now, yeah, like I love watching professional league uh, or other professional esports that I'm into. Like, uh, it's one of my main and uh, my favorite ho uh, my favorite hobbies. But when I log into the game. I don't grind as much as I've used to back in the past uh, when I was a teenager. Uh, mm. So I, I'm going to be honest, I can't say that I'm, I'm a high rank in uh, League, for example. But if you get involved into chatting with some of the players you meet, 
uh, or into any conversations basically in, in the game or in the game lobbies, it's often toxic. Like it's often maybe not toxic, but it's pointless. Like some people just uh, don't want to prove that they're wrong or don't want to engage into mm -hmm. a normal typical conversations. They get uh, a hold of their angry emotions and so on. So yeah, esports and gaming overall has taken an interesting shift uh, for many players because I think it's not only the case for me but for my colleagues or for basically people I follow on Twitter a lot of them say that following League or Counter-Strike or any other esports is fantastic and it's bringing them a lot of joy but enjoying them, uh, playing uh, them for themselves is not as fun as it used to be. Well, I mean, since we're already in this general discussion of popularity um, mm -hmm. of, of the game right now, uh, viewership for Worlds, at least at the Grand Finals, was incredibly high at 5.1 million viewers tuning in based on the data that we could gather. Um, but it was interesting that during the group stage, it was actually lower than last year with a peak of only 1.3 yep. million. Uh, what do you make of this dramatic rise by Grand Finals? For me, the main argument behind the dramatic rise uh, in Grand Finals is the fantastic story that we had in I mean the Dev versus Faker storyline, mm -hmm. um, and it was only like one series. Uh, you know, for me it was much easier to tune in for one grand final that I knew, bec especially because of the storyline. But uh, I knew that uh, on the l like level-wise it would be a tough game and one that should be followed. So I I'd, I'd rather I'd much more rather like stay. It was starting for 1 a.m. for me in uh, Eastern Europe and I'd much rather stay for one se best of five series on that one Saturday rather than follow a bunch of games for four, eight days uh, from like 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. or even 5 a.m. Uh, <laughs> in the group stage and I think that was the case for most Europeans. I used to work in a few Polish outlets like that cover esports in the past and a lot mm -hmm. of my past colleagues from those outlets were complaining uh, about that if they not if they're not working about uh, w with the certain match or on the certain match or on the certain day, they wouldn't be watching those games at all uh, because it's just inconvenient. And I'd say I think that it was uh, uh, also a case for Korea and China uh, because since the game was games were starting like uh, so late for me, I'd say it was they were starting in the early morning for Chinese and Korean people. And yeah, if you have a normal job, then you're probably going to wake up and go to your to your job and not watch professional esports. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, the I I do want to compare it really quickly to maybe traditional sports, right? Mm -hmm. So, if we looked at maybe NBA Finals, uh, the 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 viewers that we had earlier this year, it brought in about 12.4 million viewers on average, uh, meaning mm -hmm. that you know it could have been higher, a little lower. Whereas you know league had a peak of 5.1, and again this is based on the numbers you can gather, which is usually. Um, Riot's own streams yeah. and uh, on YouTube and or on Twitch and various other streams that you know that have these numbers kind of public. Uh, we don't have the numbers exactly from China, right? So, but yeah. even then, I mean, what do you make of some of these numbers, and what do you kind of uh, what can we kind of discern from it, and what can it say about the popularity of uh, League at least as an esport throughout uh, 2022 and maybe even going into 2023? Uh, it's a it's a good question. Um... I don't like comparing esports to professional sports. Um, 
mostly because like in professional sports I'd say that a lot of them are much easier to learn from a viewer's perspective mm -hmm. uh, for example if I wasn't a soccer fan I guess that I still knew the basics by the first match that I would have watched I knew that they had to score one team had to score to the other pass the other goalkeeper and uh, and vice mm -hmm. versa uh, in esports it's much harder to get into especially for league like for counter strike for example it's easy to get into because you basically know that uh, one team has to eliminate the other and vice versa uh, again in league there are the, you have over 160 champions you have neutral objectives you have a lot of different strategies and compositions and it's if I actually experienced it with my friends or my family. Like I used to try to get them into watching uh, esports with me, and mm. they were much more fond of uh, Counter Strike. Once again, I returned to it than League because they didn't know what's happening in League. But I think that a lot of people that weren't following League or an esports have just tuned in to see that one storyline unfold or, or that one tournament unfold because, uh, in the end, like World 22 was probably the most magical uh, worlds to happen up to date. I guess we're going to have to keep uh, keep a watch on the re on the 2023 season and <laughs> yeah. see if you know maybe some western teams can you know, get can really get past groups and uh, make make a real gun for the finals. Yeah, I guess I guess I guess if if you if we had a more more western teams uh, competing on an even level uh, with eastern teams like G2 did in 2019 or Fnatic did in 2018 the numbers would keep growing and i mm -hmm. honestly like i would like that to happen because you know i i love esports and i would love esports to grow even more but as we've mentioned before there are as of now too many like uh, mistakes being done and like there's too much to do uh, for western regions and teams to catch up to eastern ones well with that thank you so much for coming on to the show <laughs> thank you so much for having me once again and that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. To follow Mateus and keep up to date on League and CSGO, you can find Matt Meter Mateus on Twitter. That's M-I-T-E-R-M-A-T-E-U-S-Z. To follow me and my work over at CNET, you can find me at Ahmad on Twitter. And with that, we'll catch you guys next week.